Well, happy Sunday, Go Church family. How you feel today? You feel good? Come on, make some noise if you're feeling good. Come on. Are you out there? There we go. What an honor it is to have everybody today. You're sitting in the auditorium at our South Metro Atlantic campus, and we're so honored to have all of you in person today. And from this particular location, we have the privilege to live stream our gatherings uh, to the greater Washington, D.C. area. We have a location there in the Germantown, Maryland area. They're meeting tonight for their uh, Sunday evening gathering. And so we welcome everybody at our Germantown campus. And then, of course, we also live stream literally around the globe through our online campus. And so what an honor it is to have everybody watching online. So whoever you are, wherever you're watching from, we're honored to have you join into our gathering today. So let's do this. Everybody in the room, can you make some noise for your Germantown family? Come on, let them hear you. Make some noise for your online family. Come on real loud. And then uh, we have this weekly tradition where we give honor to the incredibly brave military men and women and all of the courageous first responders. And so before we jump into the message, I'm going to ask you to do that. And I say this every week, but of all of the applause of appreciation, if you could make this loudest, the loudest applause, sincere applause of appreciation for those men and women that put their lives on the line to serve and protect ours. So come on real loud. Can we honor them? Thank you for serving. God bless you. Good. And if you didn't clap, the Lord is watching. Come on now. So, hey, let me give you one quick announcement. And you saw this in the video announcement a moment ago, but I wanted to personally remind you and invite you that this Saturday evening, on Saturday, October 31st, between 5 and 7 p.m., we're going to be hosting a community wide free event safe, socially distanced, contact-free. We're calling it Trunk or Treat. Now, a couple of things. Number one, uh, we are not promoting Halloween. As a matter of fact, this is an alternative that will allow children to come to a safe environment, a God-centered, Christ-centered environment uh, to participate by receiving some candy and dressing up in some costumes and uh, doing that in a socially distanced kind of way. And so we can always use volunteers. So if you've not yet signed up, we could use a few more hands to help promote the event and to make it a huge success. Speaking of promoting it, if you could put it on your social media and invite your friends and neighbors and coworkers and their children, that'd be fantastic. And then unfortunately for our Germantown campus, Montgomery County has kind of put an ant on the event for us up there. So uh, they're getting creative. We're going to pass out all the candy in a different way. But for our South Metro Atlanta campus, the event is on. Say it's on. Come on, it's on. And uh, we'd love for your, for your children, your grandchildren, and again, your whole neighborhood to come and to receive some, some love from Go Church and some free candy as well. So it's going to be a great event. And I hope that your kiddos can participate. And then for the message today, I, listen, I, I say this almost every week, but I, I'm sincere when I mean that the Lord has really dropped a word in my heart for today. Uh, even on the front end of this, I'm really going to challenge you to, again, create that distraction-free environment the best that you can. Take something to, to write down some thoughts with, some notes with. If you're going to use your smartphone, I encourage you maybe to put that on airplane mode or do not disturb so the text messages and the social media notifications don't distract you. And, and if you've got a journal, I want to encourage you to take that out. We are in week number three of a series that we're doing on the book of Jonah. As a matter of fact, we're looking at the entire book of Jonah. We're calling this series A Man on the Run, A Man on the Run. So for those of you that are here for the first time today, this is why I love to teach in series because you can jump in at any point in the conversation and not feel like you've been left behind. 
And for those of you that have been here for now three weeks of this series, I pray that this has been an encouragement to you. Can I get a good amen right there? Like, I pray that as we study the book of Jonah, that the Lord has brought some truth to your mind and heart, maybe some conviction to your mind and heart, maybe some revelation. And, and so let me give you just a quick overview and some historical context here. When I read through all of the chapters of Jonah, kind of the, the overarching idea of what this story or what this book is about is this. It's about a stubborn man, some would say a stubborn preacher, a rebellious nation, and a gracious God. How many of you are thankful we serve a gracious God? We'll talk a lot more about that today. Now, the book's not very long. The book is only four chapters in length, and it's divided right down the middle. It's split in two. So the last couple of Sundays, we've covered chapter 1 and chapter 2, and we've looked specifically at the disobedience of Jonah, the rebellion of Jonah. And a real quick recap of the first two chapters or the first two messages within this series, this is what we learned. Jonah is a prophet. He's a man of God, and he's instructed by God to go to Nineveh. On the count of three, everybody online, everybody at Germantown, everybody in this room, shout Nineveh, one, two, three. Yeah, he's called to go to Nineveh and preach against their sin. A little bit more about the city of Nineveh. It's under the empire of Assyria. As a matter of fact, it is the capital city of Assyria. And Nineveh is known as Sin City, if you will. It's a wicked place, an evil place. Uh, I told you this last Sunday, but in Assyria, and specifically in Nineveh, they, they tortured their men, and they raped their women, and they molested the children. Another prophet, Nahum, writes about the description of the destruction of Assyria in Nahum 3, and he says that on the streets are piles of dead bodies, one on top of the other, and you can't even walk down the road without tripping over the dead body. Now, when you look at Jonah chapter 1 specifically, you see that God says go, and Jonah says no. no. He says no. Interesting about the reason why he says no, it had nothing to do with Jonah being afraid of the Ninevites or the Assyrian Empire or people. Jonah could not fathom that a gracious God would offer grace to such evil and wicked people. So Jonah's frustrated. This is why some would even say that Jonah might have been a tad bit racist because he didn't feel like they deserved the grace of God. So what does Jonah do? Jonah goes down to the port at Joppa. He buys a one-way ticket on a boat to Tarshish. Tarshish is 2,500 plus miles in the opposite direction of Nineveh. And this era, it's literally the opposite end of the known world. Jonah is running away from God to the other side of the world. One commentary that I read said that it would take Jonah one year to get from Joppa to Tarshish by boat. And so he's running, he's running from God because he does not want to be obedient and go preach against the sin of the Ninevite people. So what does God do? God says this, you can run, but you can't hide. Can somebody testify to that? He says, you can run, but you can't hide. Jonah gets on this boat, and God sends a massive hurricane-type storm on the Mediterranean Sea. The captain and the sailors of the boat, they become terrified for their own life because the Bible says that the ship is about to break. So they cast lots 
to see whose fault it is that brought on this storm. Casting lots is a lot like rolling dice or flipping a coin. The lot landed on Jonah, and they asked Jonah, what should we do with you? And Jonah says, throw me into the ocean. And I love the response of the guys. They prayed and said, Lord, forgive us, because we're about to kill this man. Come on now. They pick up Jonah. They throw Jonah into the Mediterranean Sea. And the Bible says that as soon as Jonah's feet splashed in the water, two things happened. Number one, the storm ceased. And number two, a big old fish came and swallowed Jonah alive. There, Jonah spent three days and three nights in the belly of this fish. And God did something significant in the mind and the heart of Jonah as the Lord took Jonah down to the depths of the earth. Jonah, in Jonah chapter 2, in his prayer, he writes about the sarah, the pain of distress that he's in during three days and three nights. He talks about going to the depth of Sheol, which is the grave or even hell. And the whole chapter, number two, is about Jonah's prayer. I'm going to give you three verses from that chapter. The Bible tells us that Jonah prayed from inside of the fish. Now, this is just a synopsis of his prayer because I'm quite confident that Jonah had a lot to say, spending three days and three nights in the belly of a fish. Throughout the entire prayer, Jonah begins to have revelation. And the revelation is about how salvation comes only from the Lord. Jonah recognized that he could not save himself in that situation, so he cries out and he says, salvation comes from the Lord. He makes this commitment to come into obedience with the assignment that is on his life, and the moment that he stops running from God and he submits to the will of God, verse 10 says, and the Lord instructed, or another translation uses the word commanded, the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. I told you this before, but I don't know if Jonah had ever been so grateful for acid reflux in his whole life. Come on now, that's funny. And that fish threw up Jonah onto dry land. And then you get into chapters three and four. So today we're gonna look at chapter three and this is where we see the shift. So chapters one and two is about this stubborn man who's running from the call of God. God chases him down, allows a storm to come on the sea, a fish to swallow him. He does a work in the mind and the heart of Jonah. And then Jonah makes a turn and he says, now I'm going to be obedient. And I'm getting ahead of myself here in my thoughts and my notes, but I want to tell you that God always honors your obedience. Come on, give me a better amen. God always honors your yes, your yes. The biggest part you play in the success of your life, right? The biggest part that you play in fulfilling the call of God or the assignment of God is your first step of obedience. It is your yes. And Jonah says yes. And watch what happens beginning in chapter three. I'm gonna, I, we'll, we'll do this every week. I'm going to read you the entire chapter together because they're only about 10 verses, give or take long. So beginning in verse one of chapter three of Jonah, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Say that with me on three, one, two, three, a second time. And then he says this, he says, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. Now I highlighted this word go and almost any time that I share in front of you and we come across the word go, I pause to remind you about the importance of this word go and why we're even called go church. 
The same call that is on Jonah's life to go is the same reason you are alive today. It's the fulfillment of the great commission for your life. The great commission is some of the last words of Jesus before he ascended to heaven. And he told the disciples, which is now passed on to you and I, to therefore go and make disciples of all nations. There is significant power when you understand your responsibility to go. That's why we're called Go Church. If you look at the King James Version of Scripture, that translation, the word go is found from Genesis to Revelation 1,492 times God instructs us to go. Now, the city that Jonah is called to go to is probably different than the city that you and I are called to go to, but there is a city that we're all called to go and to preach the message that God has given us. Can we pause and just say amen right there? So God says to Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh, proclaim to it the message that I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. I'm assuming that he recognizes, if I don't say yes, I'm going to die in the belly of this fish. And, the, and so he went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was very large. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began, I want you to really see verse 4. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, and he proclaimed 40 more days, and Nineveh is going to be destroyed. 40 more days, and this city will be overthrown. And watch the response. And the Ninevites believed God, and a fast was proclaimed. And let's read all of them together. One, two, three. All of them. Can you imagine? All of them. From the greatest to the least, they believed, and they put on sackcloth. Watch verse 6. And when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, the king rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and he sat down in the dust, and he made this proclamation. And he said, by the decree of the king, by the decree of his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Watch this. And he says, and let everyone call urgently on God and let them give up their evil ways and their violence. This morning, I, I was stuck on verse number eight in prayer and preparation. God, let this be the cry of the United States of America, that we begin to cry out urgently to our God, that we give up our evil ways and we turn from our violence. Come on, let me get 200 people that would agree with this. Yeah. Man, my heart is so stirred. God, raise up a leader that would say, okay, enough is enough. Let's cry out to God and put God first. And watch what the king says. Verse number nine, he says, who knows? Who knows? Maybe God will yet relent with compassion and turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. One more verse. You've done such a great job hanging in there. And when God saw what they had done and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented because he is a gracious God and he did not bring on them the destruction 
that he had threatened. Can you say amen to the word of God? Come on real quick. Now I know we're about 16 minutes into this message and it might feel a little unusual to pray in this moment, but I'm telling you the Lord has put a word on my heart to share with you today and and I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask for you to pray for me, but I'm gonna pray for you as well that God would meet us here in this moment. Whether you're watching online and you're sitting in your living room or you're on your game day patio in the backyard or you're up in Germantown and you're watching this live stream or you're in this room, God wants to say something today. And it's time that we wake up and we listen to the call of God to stop running and to turn back to him and to put him on the throne of our heart. Can you give me an amen? So, Father, in the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus, I pray that in the next 25 minutes that your word would not return void. And I thank you for that. God, we live in a world that is full of distraction. But in these next few moments, may the spirit of God move in this place in such a way that distractions would not distract us. But we would be focused in on what the Holy Spirit would say. And you would reveal to us exactly what you would say to us so that we could get back on the straight and narrow. So, Lord, we commit this message to you, and we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. And together, everybody said, amen. Let me give you, and I've done this each week, let me give you three truths from Jonah chapter 3. I gave you a few truths from Jonah chapter 1, a few truths from Jonah chapter 2, and now a few truths from Jonah chapter 3. And let me tell you how typically I will uh, approach the preparation of a message. And I'll be really transparent. A lot of times I find myself wrestling with reading scripture for sermon preparation or personal gain. Because every time I read something, I feel like, man, that'll preach right there. Come on now. But I, I do what many of you do, which is a, a daily Bible study. Uh, your approach might look different than mine, but I try to soap the word scripture observation, application, prayer, S-O-A-P, Scripture, observation, application, prayer. And I can't tell you how many uh, sermons I have preached that have come just from that soap method. And so when I was soaping through Jonah chapter number three, I'm telling you three things jumped off of the pages to me that I feel are appropriate to share with you. I want to look at the first one together. And this is what I heard the Lord remind me of. We serve a God of second chances. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We serve a God of second chances. Look at Jonah chapter three, two verses here. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful that we not only serve a God of second chances, but he's also a God of third chances, fifth chances, 12th chances, 25 chances. Can I get 50 chances? Come on. Can I get a God of 100 chances? Like over and over and over again, God offers us another chance. Now, many of you know this. About 18 months ago, I got really into golf. And I love golf. And you know what my favorite part of golf is? The mulligan. Hello? I love the mulligan in golf. Now, if you don't play golf, maybe you don't know what a mulligan is. 
I'll show you real quick. A mulligan is a corrected shot. So you take your golf ball, you hit a bad shot. If you don't like it, just drop another ball down and hit you another golf ball. And if you don't like that, go ahead and drop you another golf ball down. If you play with Pastor JC, we've got an unwritten rule that says, hit them till you're happy. Come on now. It's called a mulligan, a do-over. And that is how God is. God continues to provide for you a do-over, a second chance, and a third chance, and a fifth chance. Let me give you one word, because it all means this. He is a God of grace. He's a God of grace, a God of second chances. And again, I don't want to get too far ahead of my thoughts here, but watch this. Grace is delayed judgment. It got quiet. One day we will all stand before God and we will be held accountable for every action, word and deed. But if you are alive today, if you woke up today, if you're breathing in this moment, it is because of God's grace, his grace. God knew that you would fail. God knew that I would mess up. That's why he offered us his son, Jesus, so that we could have grace. Come on, everybody yell grace, grace. And that's what he did. He gave two acts of grace in Jonah chapter three. The first act of grace was to a stubborn preacher. He could have let homeboy drown in the ocean. He could have let that fish eat him up. But grace, but God's extended grace kept Jonah alive. And the word came to Jonah a second time. And I, I don't know how this, you know, processes in your mind with your theology, but all throughout the Old Testament, we see where God destroyed cities like Nineveh. God's wrath came on these cities. I mean, he flattened Sodom and Gomorrah, but yet he extended grace to the Ninevites. I mean, I got caught up this week just processing and thinking through God's grace on my life, his favor on my life the way that he just brought me out of situations that there seemed to be no way out. The moments where he said, JC, you're being an idiot, but I'm gonna give you a mulligan here. Come on, anybody thankful for that? See, grace is God giving us what we do not deserve. You know what Jonah deserved? Death. You know what Nineveh deserved? Death. You know what you and I deserve? Death. But grace, something happened. When God sent his son, Jesus, grace was offered. I've told you this before. My mom and I would used to sit around this uh, old upright piano in our living room. And through some of the most difficult challenges of, you know, the different seasons we found ourselves in together, the, the passing of my father unexpectedly, or, I mean, there's a, a laundry list of other moments my mom would she'd open up the old Baptist hymnal. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. And she'd begin to play some of the hymns in this old Baptist hymnal. And then, and then, and then, and then mama got the Holy Ghost. Come on out. And the Baptist church told her, you, you can't stick around here. You're too like Baptist So my mom started attending a church of God church and 
They didn't have the Baptist hymnal in the church of God. They had the Redback hymnal. How many of you know the Redback hymnal? Now I started thinking about some of the songs in the Redback hymnal this morning. And, you know, we used, to, we used to sing so many of these. But there's one on page 57. Now in the Baptist hymnal, it's page 330. Come on now. Hello. You know you sang them a lot if you know what page numbers are. In the Redback, it's page 57. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Come on, how many of you know that we were wretched people? I once was lost, but now I'm found. Any found people, come on. I was blind, but now I see. Wow, verse two, twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. Do you see that? How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Let me tell you something, church. No matter how far sin takes you, God's grace can always reach you. Come on and give Jesus the highest praise. I know there's some people sitting in this room this morning. You're watching online. You're at Germantown. And the sin of this world has pulled you down to the depth of Sheol. The sin of this world has pulled you so far away from God. You don't know if God's grace can reach you. I'm telling you, I'm a living testimony. I met with a man earlier this week over lunch, and I said to him, if God can save JC, God can save anybody. I was as lost as lost could be, and yet God's grace showed up. God's grace showed up. And in the moment that you feel like you're in the pit of despair, are we preaching okay today? Everybody all right? All you have to do is throw your hands up and say, I accept your grace. Remember the old TV show, Cops? Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they... Some of you are like, I was on that show. Got some incredible law enforcement officers that call Go Church Home. And one of the first commands whenever they approach a particular situation is they say, come out with your hands. Why? It is a sign of surrender. And all you have to do, even in the season of sin that you might be living in, is come out with your hands up. And the moment that you surrender, God's grace consumes you. God's grace is wrapped around you because no matter how far sin takes you, God's grace can always reach you. Come on and give Jesus the highest praise. Come on. Come on, if we're going to clap, let's do it well. Come on. Take five seconds and thank God for his grace. Come on, to God be the glory. All right, we we could stop right there, but there's a couple more things that the Lord showed me. Uh, The second truth is a little wordy, but I want you to see it. Sometimes we need an in-your-face sermon to remind us of the consequences of our sin. Now, this is not in competition with the grace that God offers, but there are some moments where we need someone to yell at us in a way that would get our attention. There is a way That seems right unto a man. But in the end, it's the path of destruction. 
I told Kimberly earlier, she lets me preach all my sermons ahead of time. Come on now. And I told her as I was preaching this to her over the, the kitchen table, I said, if one of our children was running straight into oncoming traffic, I don't need somebody that's like, oh, be careful. Watch out. Oh, you shouldn't do that. No, I want somebody saying, hey, death, stop, turn around, get your attention. I want you to see this because, man, when the Lord revealed this to me, I was like, oh, no, he didn't. Jonah's message was this. This was his whole sermon. All right, listen, 40 days and you're going to die. Drop some mic. I don't know what you think of my preaching style. I get it. I'm not the greatest communicator this side of heaven. But you ought to thank God that I preach more than just that every Sunday. He's like, all right, you want me to go? Here we go. What do you want me to say? Tell them I'm going to destroy them. All right, deal. Y'all got 40 days. Now, I want you to see something here. I'm going to give you a couple thoughts. You need to hear them. And I say this with respect to those that may be saying this, but I do not give two flying flips what some famous pastor says on Instagram. The consequences of your sin will send you to hell. Oh, y'all not going to help me today. I don't know if you'll come back next week, but I'll be in this room. I preached to an empty room for three months. We got this. Jonah's sermon was not a... Seeker sensitive, 40 days to prosperity, your best life now type of sermon. It was, if you do not repent, you will die. I don't know who I'm talking to, but you need to hear this because there is a lot of bad theology out there. Sin is what separates you from God. And God knew it, so he made a way through the shedding of innocent blood, through Jesus, a spotless lamb. And the only way that you and I will get our name written in the Lamb's book of life is to repent of our sin, to say yes to God and no to this world. Is anybody believing what I'm preaching? Let me give you a couple verses. We have all sinned. We've all sinned. And we've all come short of the glory of God. Man, in preparation this week, I was like, yeah, get them Ninevites. Yeah, get them Ninevites. And I heard the Lord say, oh, you think you're Jonah in this story, JC. You're just as wicked, just as evil. But by grace, look, the free gift of God's grace. What happens? We can all be put right with him through Christ Jesus because it is Jesus that sets us free. You need to know this. The wages of the sin is death. It's death. I don't understand how we can read the Bible and interpret it any other way. And I hear people say, how, how could a loving God send people to hell? God does not send people to hell. People choose to go to hell. God made a way of escape so that we don't go to hell. Watch, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God it's eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I know what some of you are sitting there thinking. You're watching online. You just tuned in. You're like, what? <laughs> what kind of church is this? I'm glad you asked. Because you need to know, Go Church is all about grace and truth. 
grace and truth. Oh, Jesus, help me to be careful, and I pray you know my heart. I don't get to travel to a lot of other churches on the weekends because, well, well, I'm always here. But I am on social media, and I do watch other pastors, and there are some churches that they are only grace-preaching churches. Go sin. Love wins. Go, go do whatever you think you got to do. Because once you're saved, you're always saved. Uh-oh, that one stung for somebody. When I read the Bible and, and my convictions through the, the lens of the Holy Spirit, when I read Scripture, yes, there is grace. And I told you, he's a God of second chances. But the truth is this. Holiness is our goal. Righteousness is our desire. God didn't give you the power of the Holy Spirit so that you could raise your hands on Sunday and run around the church auditorium. God gave you the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the temptation of sin and to be the mouthpiece of Christ in this world. It's just grace. Yes, it is grace, but there's also truth. I felt so convicted this week because I thought, am I preaching enough about the blood Am I preaching enough about sin? Listen, I'm not, I'm not throwing any stones, and I'm certainly not throwing any shade. This man's got a lot of work that God's still doing. But I'm so worried that we're dabbling with sin, thinking that there are no consequences. And I'm not trying to, to build off of your emotion or some fear-based propaganda, but what if you only had 40 days left to live? The nonsense that you're participating in, I guarantee you'd be like, eh? Because for the next 40 days, I'm going to walk the straight and narrow. I don't know. I don't know when my time is up, and I don't know when your time is up, but all I know is this, God, every day I wake up, I know that your grace is there, and I know you give me the power of the Holy Spirit, and I want to do what is right. I don't want to do what feels good. Sin feels good. And some of you are so caught up that you become numb to the sin. And I'm just telling you, like a good parent would yell at their child running straight into oncoming traffic, repent. Repent. It's like, I don't know, should I clap? Maybe if I clap, am I guilty? Yes! We're all guilty. Still, that's the most awkward clap this church has ever said. Okay. Wow. What a Sunday. Glad I came. Man, sin of this world. I got to move on or I'm really going to get myself in trouble. Let me, you got time for a third truth? You ain't leaving now. You trust me. You're like, I can't leave now. Watch this. Truth number three is this. And I want, I want you to see this. Not only do we serve a God of second chances, and not only do we sometimes just need like that old school, Pentecostal, old school, Baptocostal, old school, like in your faith. I don't know if you grew up this way, but I grew up in the Baptist church where the preacher would preach. He'd give an altar call, and he would not stop the singing until you came. Anybody grew up like that? It'd be 20 minutes in. I'd look at my sister and be like, if you don't go, we're going to be here all day. 
and he'd stare you down. How, how many, come on, somebody help me out that I'm not making it. He'd be like, I know you know I'm talking to you, Danny. Sometimes we need that in your face, right? But here's the other thing that you need to know about, and this is the beautiful promise of God. God will relent if you repent. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Now, this morning when I was running through this sermon, I, I felt like I need to give you a little bit of thought here. I, I really am careful to tell you what I think God will or will not do. That's a dangerous game to play, that God will do this or God will not do that. So I don't want you to take this thought out of context here. I'm just telling you from the truth that I saw in Jonah chapter 3, the repentance of the nation brought on the grace of God. Uh, let me show you this. Verse number, verse number 8, let's begin there. Let everyone call urgently on God. This is the decree of the king. Let them give up their evil ways. Let them give up their violence. And what does he say? He says, who knows? Who knows? Maybe God will, on the count of three, say this word, relent. One, two, three. Maybe God will relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And then here it is. Here's what happens in verse 10. When God saw that they did what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented. Uh, let, me, let me show you this. The English word repent comes from the Hebrew word shub. Write this down. I want you to write this down or take a picture of the string. Come on. And the very definition of repentance is to turn back or to return. And I think that this is where many people are today, right? We've kind of gotten away from God. We've backslidden from God. We're no longer in that right standing or relationship with God. And all you have to do is to repent, to turn back, to watch this, to turn your back on the world and turn back to God to return. Now, there is a difference between remorse and repentance. Write this down. Remorse is this. I'm sorry and I feel guilty. And if anybody has any conviction, we all feel remorseful when we do something that we know is wrong. You know right from wrong. You know what you should do and what you shouldn't do. And a lot of us, we feel remorse. I'm sorry, and I feel guilty. The difference, though, between remorse and repentance is a turning back, a return to the Father. So repentance says, I'm not just sorry, and I don't just feel guilty, but I'm turning back to you. I'm turning my back on the world, and I'm coming back to the Father. And listen to me, because, again, this is synonymous with the previous point that I just shared. But God demands repentance, the repentance of your sins. In the gospel of Luke, Jesus is recorded by saying this, unless you, come on, do it with me, unless you repent, you too will perish. Peter wrote in 2 Peter 3 verse 9, he says, the Lord is not slow to do what he has promised as some think instead and and this happens so often in the middle of my preaching. I think, I wish I would have highlighted that in yellow. I wish I would have highlighted the promise that he is patient. He's patient with me. He's patient with you. 
right? And that patience is grace. And why does he offer grace? Why does he offer patience? Because he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants all to what? To turn away from their sins. That, ladies and gentlemen, is repentance. Let me give you one more thought and you'll be out of here. I came back to this verse at the end of my soap and preparation. It's verse number eight. And it is the king of the nation leading the people through the act of repentance. He says the king, he gets up from his throne, he takes off his royal robes, he calls a nationwide fast, and he calls on the people, he says, let everyone call urgently on God and let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Sit up with me for one second. I want you to get tired. We'll be out of here. And let me talk to all the men, all the men, just for a second. Fellas, husbands, fathers, we're the ones that should lead the way of repentance in our marriage, in our parenting, in our home. He led the way. Imagine, come on, men, imagine if you walked into your house this afternoon and you said to your wife or you said to your family, we've not been doing this right. We've not been doing this the right way. And I'm, I'm calling us to a fast. I'm calling us as a family to repentance. Husbands, could you imagine if you set your spouses down and you said, babe, listen, we've been living wrong and it starts with me. So as the man of this house, I'm repenting to God I'm repenting to you, and now we're going to begin a new life in Christ Jesus beginning today. Fellas, listen to me. Don't let pride, don't let pride keep you from that honest and open conversation. Now, everybody else, could you imagine business leaders? If you walked into your company tomorrow on Monday, and you said, you know what? We've been doing this wrong. And as the owner, as the boss, as the manager, it starts with me, and I'm calling us to repentance. I'm calling us to a season of fasting, and we're going to honor this business. We're going to give this business to the Lord, and it will be his company. Let me tell you something real quick. I have talked to numerous business owners during COVID-19 that have faithfully committed their business to the Lord, and they have been blessed exceedingly, abundantly, in an economic crash, people that have put God first. And I know that there are some that have struggled, but time and time again, I have learned that businesses that put Christ as the foundation, God honors them. Imagine government officials, president, the other guy that's running, teachers, judges, police officers, pastors to say, hey, we've been doing this wrong. I'm leading the way. We're going to repent and we're turning back to God. Let me give you this closing question. We'll get you out of here. So what do you need to repent of? It's not rhetorical. Between you and the Lord, what do you need to repent of so that you can be right with God and experience his grace? Every head bowed. Every eye closed, Germantown as well. For just a moment, bow your head, close your eyes. If you're watching online and you're in a safe place, like not driving, you can bow your head in this moment too. I wanna 
lead you in a prayer of repentance and in a prayer of salvation and in a prayer of receiving God's grace. So Lord, I'm coming to you today. God, with a heavy heart through this message, Lord, hoping that whoever is far from you would recognize that really you're just as close as the mention of your name. That if we're Jonah in this story or if we're like the people of Nineveh, that we would just repent and we would come back to you, Jesus. Salvation, grace, the acceptance of mercy, it's not that hard. No, it's as simple as the ABCs. Admit that we are a sinner. Believe that Jesus Christ died for our sin. Confess our sin to him and then commit our lives from this moment forward to make Jesus the Lord of all. If that's you, every head bowed, every eye closed, and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life or maybe you've kind of gotten away and you've kind of backslidden in your relationship with God, but today, just through the honesty and transparency of this message, you're ready to come back, to turn back, to return to the Father. Nobody's looking but me, I promise you that. Would you slip your hand up? Come on, if that's you in this room, put your hand up real quick. Thank you. Thank you. Germantown as well. Thank you. Come on, lift your hands. Lots of hands today. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, every hand that was lifted, God, I believe you saw that act of faith. And now, by admitting that they were lost without you, believing you are who you say you are, and committing our lives to you, Jesus, we have been born again in our name, is in the Lamb's book of life. So we honor you and we praise you and we give you thanks to God be the glory and let the church say amen. Come on, can you give Jesus the highest praise? Come on, come on, come on, lift up Jesus in this room. Come on.